Hi, this is Sci-Fi Talk, the podcast on how sci-fi, fantasy, horror, and comics help us explore our humanity. Hi, today we have Michelle C. Smith, and I like to say you are a stunt performer. And I'll tell you why yes. I say that. Because <laughs> a stunt person, that just shows somebody who just does a stunt and they're done. But really what you're doing is you are continuing the performance of the character as if the actor were doing it and really making it a seamless transition where you can't mm -hmm. tell the difference between, you know, what the stunt performer is and the, and the actor. So I, that's yeah. the way I like to look at it. I appreciate that. I, I really like that. Thank you very much. There is more sci-fi talk. So stay tuned. Wow. I mean, you've done an amazing body of work. What led you to, do, to be a stunt performer? You know, <laughs> I get this question a lot. And, and it's funny because I never set out on my path in my professional career to be a stunt performer. It, it just sort of found me. So I know it's something that I was meant to be doing. I had originally intended to enter my professional career as a professional dancer. I wanted to dance for the Backstreet Boys and like, I didn't, but I danced for a little bit and then I got into circus and I was performing with a professional circus company for almost 10 years. And through circus is where I started meeting other stunt performers. And that's when I was like, oh, this is a job that people can do. And here I am meeting people that are doing it. And I'm not that different from them. And I have skills that could be very beneficial in this in this avenue. And so I, I literally just had a moment where somebody put a sword in my hand one day and I was like, oh, I can do this. Okay, let's go. And then that was 14 years ago and wow. I'm still going somehow. Good for you. You know, I would say having that circus background is incredibly beneficial to doing mm -hmm. the, the depth of work that you do. Yes. You know, I, I, it, it's kind of backwards because I get the question a lot of like, what's the scariest stunt you've ever did? But I've never been more scared than when I was performing circus and I was doing silk sacks. So the, the fabric that hangs from the ceiling and you climb up and you wrap yourself around that whole practice of doing silks and aerials scared me more than pretty much anything I've ever done in stunts. Like there's been moments where I've been a little bit with stunts, but, but circus really prepared me for being playful in performance, being able to just, like think on the fly and and be able because I was performing so much with circus. We did a lot of corporate circus shows. That's how you really make money in circus, unless you're Cirque du Soleil. Um, so I was performing all the time, and sometimes things just go wrong. And like, how do you adapt on the fly? And and being really playful and trying new things that I hadn't grown up doing because I was a competitive baton twirler and dancer growing up. But circus, everything was new and I was doing it at a professional level. And so I learned this, this really deep level of trust within my physical skills and my body. And, and it was all about trying new things and trying things that scared me. And that directly led into what stunt work is, is like a lot of times when you show up, you, you, things are changing on the fly. They want to change a direction and, and all these things change. And so you have to be able to adapt. And you also have to be able to work through the fear and the anxiety and the adrenaline process that comes up in your body. And, and because I had done circuits for so long and I had that sense of like, oh, I'm good under pressure, actually. Uh, it really helped me 
build the confidence to be a, a proficient stunt performer. And so I don't know what I would have been as a stunt performer if I hadn't done circus before that, but I'm really, really grateful that circus found me first and yeah. then I could move in into the stunt side. Fantastic. As far as like you're ready to go on, I, I guess do you I guess you have to warm up a little bit to, yeah. to be ready. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a tough thing. So like when I'm training, of course I warm up. But sometimes when you're on set on the day, you're not necessarily in environments and circumstances that facilitate a quality warm-up. So then it becomes a matter of what can I do in my trailer as I'm getting ready and what can I do at home before I go to work? But that doesn't really work out if your call time is 5 a.m. I'm not going to wake up at 2 to go do a yoga class or, or <laughs> do something like that. So then I'm showing up to work and then I'm trying to find space in between going to hair and makeup, putting my costume on, going to set to find a way to warm up my body and get in the zone. But I find that the the moments that you really need a lot of preparation, you can generally find the space. For me, it's it, the mental preparation has always been big because I have a tendency to overthink and then I get anxious and then, then it's bad. So finding a way to just step back and breathe and become very, very present with what I'm doing so that I can just be in the flow. I have this thing that I tell myself is don't think, just do. Because I know that I can trust my body. I can lean on my skills and my training to do the work. But if my brain is thinking, it, it's not good. So uh -huh. having a moment where I can sit, even if it's just like 30 seconds to just be like, okay, whew. I'm here. This is what I'm doing. This is my job today. I'm not going to think about it too much. I'm just going to go and do it. I think that's really, really important. But it is a challenge to to find your way through a complicated fight scene where you have to do a lot of acrobatic skills or kick really high and, and knowing that your costume is kind of tight. You can't really get your leg up. You don't really have a lot of mobility. And how do you warm up? for that and yeah. that's where the training and the preparation comes in and, and it's this is sort of across the board with all uh professional performance and entertainment is there is a, a period of time where you're preparing so that on the day if all the circumstances aren't perfect you're still able to do the job and that's what being a professional is that's the difference between professional and amateur and and so you just you just learn to deal and you learn little secrets of like I'm in a forest. It's the middle of the night in winter. Like, how am I going to stay warm? That's impossible. So you're constantly moving, just trying to find a way to keep your blood moving. And like you, you discover little tip, little tips and tricks as you go along. And <laughs> uh, yeah. And, and eventually you just learn that sometimes you just got to fight through it and just go for it and, yeah. and just see how it goes. Yeah. I, I, uh, there's a, there's a, myth that people think that essentially uh, people that are stunt performers have to be in the gym like every day. Is that true? Yeah. <laughs> it <laughs> is true. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, a, we're, we're pro stunt performers are this really nice amalgamation of a lot of things. So we're all coming in. I have cat hair all over me. Um, we're all coming in with prerequisite skills at a pretty high level. Most people uh, I work with are either like lifelong martial artists or gymnasts or dancers, some sort of athlete. And so you're, you've already established a rhythm and a structure of training in your life at a high level. Yeah. And then, yeah, like you're, you're a professional performer, but you're also a professional athlete. So how do you balance those things? 
And I've found that in my, I've been working professionally for 20 years. I go through phases and seasons in what my training is. So sometimes I'm training in the gym, like a couple hours a day, maybe once or twice a day, five, six days a week. Other times, I'm training maybe five days a week, only once a day with very specific skills. And that could be acting, a certain style of martial arts, film fighting, all of that. And it's sort of this thing where you kind of have to ebb and flow based on what your body needs, because sometimes your body needs a little bit of rest, a little bit less movement. Sometimes your body has the energy and that's the time that you can push. But I would say most people, I'm not in a phase anymore where I go to train (laughs) six days a week anymore. I'm like, "Mm, I'm good. (laughs) I'm good with that. My body's happy not to do that. But in in the early stages, and a lot of people that I know, who are really in those stages now are are working out once or twice a day, five or six days a week, and they eat well, and they're focused on their sleep. Like we treat ourselves like Olympic athletes, because we have to because if you don't take care of body, you can't do the work, can't do the work, you can't get paid, can't pay rent. And like, so it's like, this this big uh, convoluted circle of of like how do I keep my body in prime shape? But I my job is inherently dangerous, and and yeah. often I come away from work or even training. Most of my like biggest injuries have been in training. Um, but my there's a, the potential for me to get really hurt at my job. So then I have to make sure that I'm training to make sure that my body can withstand the impact yeah. that I'm doing. But then also, how do I take time after I've done the impact to let my body heal and recover before I start the training cycle again? And that yeah. can be really, really challenging. That's probably the hardest part about being a stunt performer is, wow. is managing the injury cycle because it's, it's, not, it's not an if, it's a when. And, yeah. and like, how do, you, how do you do that and maintain consistency, consistency and stability in your career that doesn't necessarily offer that? I hear you. You know, besides being a stunt performer, you were also a fight choreographer on a mm-hmm. show that I, I I covered from the very beginning, oh. unfortunately, to the end, Motherland Fort Salem. And yeah. uh, I have to talk to all those ladies. I've talked to Lovely. Elliot Lawrence every season that it was running, and he's terrific. Um, mm-hmm. did, did you have to kind of come up with, I mean, a lot of their stuff is with their voice, but did you have to come up with some kind of style for the show that... Yeah. Separates them from other shows like that? I think I think the show itself separated it was inherently separated from a lot of the the regular fight choreography that you're seeing because the cast was women. Yeah. Like like there was only a few guys on the cast list and it was a really refreshing take on action, but coming from the perspective of these women are badasses. And and having someone like myself come in to train them and choreograph and, and create these fight scenes for them was what it needed because a guy wouldn't have been able to do that. Yeah. And I think it was really important. Like a lot of the crew were women, producers were yeah. women, directors were often women. And it was a point that the show tried to make that we're going to elevate these women. And so it was a really nice and refreshing place to come into these rehearsals and be like, okay, we don't fight like big dudes as women, we are, are, we can kick ass. Don't get me wrong, but it's going to look a little bit different. And then how do we present that in a way? And so I focused a lot with them on feeling empowered and confident in their movement, because if you feel good, you look good. 
Yeah. It doesn't really matter what you're doing. As long as you feel good and you feel healthy and you feel like you can sustain that movement at the, the quality that you want to perform it at. And that was my one of my biggest things from the very beginning because I started on the pilot. I worked on the pilot and then nice. I worked through all of season one and season two. Unfortunately, wow. I wasn't able to work on season three just with scheduling yeah. stuff. Yeah. But one of my biggest things is I was working with these actors two, three days a week and like, making sure that they can step up to set and feel good because it is like they did the, the voice thing. And it's like, okay, what position feels powerful to you to let out this powerful scream? And then when we got the scourges, that was a whole different thing. Cause that's yes. a, they started off in the pilot in the first couple episodes as rope darts and rope dart is a flexible weapon that uh, originates from Chinese martial arts, I believe. But it's a really cool, really dynamic, very sexy weapon. But it is notoriously difficult to learn and to work with and to film. It's an advanced weapon. Yeah. And I don't know if the producers knew that when they like wrote this weapon into the show. And then <laughs> here comes not. me and I'm like the only person that's like, okay, how do I break this down in pieces so that these actors and the stunt performers can learn this and look good and how do we create a fight scene with these weapons that don't necessarily want to fight the way they want to see it on camera and that was that was the hardest part was the scourges and so we sort of came up with a little bit of a repertoire of okay these are our like in every martial art you're going to have like your basic strikes yeah. and so we we came up with the basic strikes and then depending on which actor because some people are really great physically. Some people, they struggle a little bit. And so we would make sure that depending on who the actor is and what the action is and whether we're using their stunt double or not, because uh, sometimes we didn't. Uh, sometimes we just let the actor do their thing. And then we would be like, okay, so we're going to use these basic strikes and we're going to zhuzh this up a little bit. We're going to make this a little fancier. Demetria loved like being powerful. She loved kicking yes. and like, strength and so we made sure that when demetria was in her action that we gave her the opportunity to do that whereas um someone like taylor or ashley or jess we didn't see them as often because they were working so we want to make sure that they just feel good and they feel confident in their fight but they don't need to like we don't need to overcomplicate it for them because they're already so busy and then um in season two s came and joined us and they were already so powerful and proficient to begin with that we just sort of asked them, like, what do you want? Like, what do you like doing? And they said, I like this, this, and this, and I like this. And so we were like, okay, great. We're going to, we're going to build that out for you. And, and I think it worked out really, really well. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of times where we come in with like these big ideas and then just the practicality of putting yeah. it together and the timing of the amount of time it takes to film that it, sort of goes away and so but that's with every show that's not yeah anything yeah. new yeah i really enjoyed my experience on that show it was really it was really fun to watch these ladies and these people like really come into themselves over the course of a couple seasons and and improve and uh i don't know if they heard it but i got a lot of compliments on how great the actors looked and how powerful they were yeah totally and, yeah and like that that's nice for me as a fight coordinator but like also like yeah because they feel good in moving they feel confident they feel empowered and that's like that's really all you need we could yeah. do the easiest simple things but if you feel good you will look good yeah absolutely yeah no, there was a, it was a great series. It really was. Yeah. Went too soon. They had a lot of story to tell, I thought. And, yeah. 
Yeah. You know, it was uh, it was a shame when I heard about it. I was like, oh, man. Mm. Sci-Fi Talk returns in a moment. One of the reasons I, I, you know, I heard about you was this whole thing with lightsabers. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so mm -hmm. so is, that, uh, and it, it, is that true that you got Daisy Ridley's attention on that? I did. Yeah, I did a video for May 4th. I think it was my 2019 May 4th video uh, that went viral for whatever reason. Uh, I can never predict videos that are going to go viral. Which oh, no. if, if we could bottle that, we'd all be rich. <laughs> I've tried. And then when I think that I figured it out, it doesn't work. It doesn't <laughs> you know, work. Like, oh, no, it's this, this and this. And then I do that and it goes nowhere. Um, yeah, it, it was sort of an unexpected thing. And uh, it really surprised me and was like a really nice confirmation that whatever I'm doing is I'm on the right path. Oh, and yeah. I, I was on set. I was working on another show. I think I was working on The Magicians. And I was on set. My agent called. And they're like, hey, uh, Daisy Ridley or her team at this magazine, it was for Wired, wants permission to uh, watch one of your videos and do a reaction to it because they needed my permission as the owner of the content nice. to, to post it. But they had actually already filmed it. And, and I saw what they had filmed and then I, all I had to say was approved. And so I think that if I would have said no, they just would have cut it. But I was yeah. just like, why would I say no? Like, please watch it. <laughs> yeah. so, but it was a really magical moment because they put up and it's like, the, it had like my name highlighted and she's like, Michelle C. Smith, but above Michelle C. Smith was Michelle Pfeiffer and then Catwoman. And Michelle Pfeiffer Catwoman was like my oh. childhood superhero. Oh, I had this poster on oh. my wall. Yeah, there were some great stunts in that movie. Oh my God. I just wanted to be her. I just thought she was so cool. Yeah. Um, and so the fact that she's like, is that Michelle Pfeiffer's real name? And I was just like, oh, my life is all coming together. It's coming full circle. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, and, and she liked it. Or, or at least she pretended that she liked it. Uh, which is really, really it. cool. Yeah, I, I think, think so. I yeah, she's pretty honest person, really. So yeah, I really, I really enjoy her. I don't get why people hate on her so much. I thought she was great. No, she as did. Ray. Yeah, she did a I, great job. I have no complaints about her. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of Star Wars shows on. Um, there have is. You, um, have you said, hey, do you need anybody? <laughs> I've tried for years. Honestly, I just put out a, a short film, uh, a Star Wars short. Yeah, like a on concept. Hates of interest, right? Yeah, with the Such Ventress. And it, it, part of that was not only a nod to the fans that have been with me and suggested yeah. the character of a Such yeah, you, for you me. Would, I haven't seen it, but I'm sure you would kill that. That would be a good I, one. And I want to play a villain. Like, I don't want to yeah. play the good guy. That's so boring. I want to <laughs> play the villain. And she's kind of like this anti-hero villain character. Totally. And she's very vicious. And I like that about her. And so I put it out there with like, okay, let's tag all the people but then it was also happening at the exact same time as the writer's strike. So I just don't think the uh, timing was exactly right. But yeah. I have I have hope that I will get it I will get in there at some point. I, I feel like I've done all I can mm -hmm. to to get the attention of people. Yeah. Um, including like reaching out to stunt coordinators. But like there's always more I could do and, and so I'm trying my best. <laughs> Hopefully I'll get in there one day. Well, I know you... that they could use me. Like I, I know that I would fit oh, in. Yeah. Oh, I, I have no doubt either. <laughs> no question. You know, you've worked on a lot, of, really a lot of the Arrowverse here and there. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Really going back to Smallville. So uh, <laughs> yeah. before it was even the Arrowverse. What's that like? I mean, I know you doubled for Black Canary. Uh, you're in this costume. You're also wearing a mask. 
Um, mm-hmm. What's that? What's that like? Is that a help or a hindrance? Um, sometimes the costume. Well, the, sometimes the costume does all the work for you, where you don't necessarily have to like put on the performance. Just you putting on the costume and moving in the costume with the intention of being in the scene is enough. But uh, for me, uh, the costumes they make are usually pretty good. Uh, they the the CW costumers were really really great about working with stunt performers to make the costumes functional. Because sometimes you get on a show and they're like, "Here's your cool costume," and you can't move in it, and you're like, "Well, now I can't do any of the choreography I had planned." Uh, but the the CWs because there were so many stunts, they're really good about making sure the materials were able to be moved in or at least modifying them so that right. we could move in them. And we have room for pads. Cause that's another thing. Like yeah. we have to have slightly bigger costumes because our padding takes up a little bit more space. And sometimes you don't get pads because they don't fit in the costume. Mm. And, and so the costumes were always really quality, well done, like beautiful work craftsmanship in the costume. For me, the they were good at about the mask. The hair and the wigs sometimes would be the <laughs> thing that would get in my way. I remember I was doubling uh, Huntress on yes. Arrow, and the costume was awesome, black and purple, like kind yeah. of my vibe. The mask was just a little like rubber thing that they glued onto your face, so you don't even realize that you're wearing it. But the wig, because I have like really thin hair i always pull my hair back so it's never in my way but then i get into the costume and this is like voluminous hair that's like down to here and i had all this like stick stuff to do and i just like grabbing chunks of hair and then you have gloves and i was just like oh so i learned in that moment that was a long time ago that was like 2012 uh but i learned in that moment that one of the things i have to be aware of as i'm building choreography for some of these characters is what are they wearing? What is the wig situation? Are they wearing gloves? Because all of those things factor into what I can do in a fight, especially, yeah. especially if I have a weapon in my hand. That ma- It makes a huge difference. If it's just like a regular punch, empty hand fight, then like it's fine. I'll make it work. But but as soon as you start adding props, then then the question becomes like, how do I find a way to rehearse in the circumstances that I'm going to have on set because I don't want to come prepared to do all this cool stuff and then just not be able to do it on the day. Yeah, so I want to make sure that either I have a backup plan or I've rehearsed with a wig or I've rehearsed with gloves on. Um, and that's just something that I started doing like over 10 years ago. And, and it's been really, really helpful. But yeah, the Vancouver where I, I'm based, we had all the CWs and they were just action packed. So oh, yeah. everybody was just working. We were all just bouncing around from show to show to show to show to show. And the great thing about stunts is unlike acting, if you go and do an acting role once on a show, you're burned for the rest of it. You can't play another character on the show. Whereas right. stunts, we often, we get really good at like hiding our face. So <laughs> if you're doubling, you, you don't want your face to be seen through your hair. I'm moving my hair for anybody that's listening. Yeah. I'm covering my face and I'm not really looking directly down the barrel of the lens. Yeah. Uh, but other times we'll come in as like SWAT people or regular civilians where you're wearing different clothes. You're sort of in the background. We have a helmet and a mask on. And so you, you might not realize maybe like the big hardcore fans might, might notice that they're seeing the same person 
over and over and over again in multiple episodes. But for the most part, regular people wouldn't know. Mm-hmm. So that's a great thing about stunts is you can work on the show on multiple episodes and play multiple characters mm. and nobody will ever know. Whereas wow. acting, you get, you get one shot on that that's it. and then you're done. Yep. I got to ask you, do you have a favorite, favorite weapon of choice that you use when you do stunts? Oh yeah. Well, my specialty is staff spinning. Um, Cause I yeah. was a controller. Uh, but I early in my stunt career, when I, first was like, okay, I'm going to do this. I started training martial arts. And one of the first martial arts I started learning was Filipino martial arts. And in Filipino martial arts, they use these uh, like two and a half foot long uh, bamboo sticks. They're called arnis, sometimes called Kali sticks or eskrima. That is my favorite. And I don't know if it's just because it was one of the first modalities of working with a weapon that I learned in a in a technical mm-hmm. class or if it's just because my background with baton made it easy for me to learn but it feels good in my body it feels like um it's very complementary to the skills and the base that I already have and so I picked it up really quickly and now it's my go-to just like two little short sticks that I move around is my favorite and and if that translates to like two little swords or one sword and a knife or two lightsabers, like in my Ventress video. Um, I'm always really happy to whip that out because it's also really difficult for people to use two weapons and not panic. Yeah. Sometimes, especially actors who don't necessarily have a martial arts background, you put two weapons in their hands and like everything stops. It's a lot. And, and I've seen it happen to stunt performers. And, and for me, that's sort of like my happy place and the place where my brain is the most active. And so I'm like, I'm just going to lean into that mm. and, and make that my thing. Yeah, I, I, I do want to close by talking about a gentleman who I met early on in this process of doing the podcast. I don't know if you know him, Peter Kent. He was. Oh, uh, yes. He, he was doubled, um, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah, from, yeah. From. Terminator 2 until Eraser. So we yes. talked and he even came up with his own series that didn't sell on for you called Stunt Dogs, where they recreated oh, yeah. famous stunts or, as they say in the business, gags. And, yes. uh, and you know, he did that. And we, we, were, we were talking on and off. And um, he actually worked on Earthsea, too. But uh, mm. that I've always been fascinated by stunts. And uh, you, you mm-hmm. watch the old Star Trek episodes, and they weren't <laughs> very good at hiding <laughs> like they are no. now. I mean, and then there's also uh, people I admire, really, probably the ones that are phenomenal, is the stunt team that works on the John Wick movies. They are yes. just yeah. crazy good. I mean, that yes. is, uh, I mean, they, they formed their own company, and because yes. of those movies, and, you know, I talked to... Um, a woman who's married to one of them and uh, they oh, did yeah. stunts on her movie and yeah. she actually played um, Trinity in the last, she, uh, she actually did like a young version of Trinity in oh, the last nice. matrix movie too. So oh, that's cool. Yeah. So I, I've always been fascinated by it and mm-hmm. I, I deep admiration. You guys are athletes. I mean, there's no other word really yeah. that it starts there. That's why a lot of them have martial arts or athletics mm-hmm. as a background or dance, as in your case. That's not unusual. Mm-hmm. I've come a few people that do that. Yep. So, Yeah, there's a few of us out there. Yeah, but so I admire it. And uh, great Thank to you. talk to you about your work. Uh, very talented, so obviously. And uh, obviously, we don't see you most of the time, <laughs> <laughs> which is, that means you're doing everything right. It but, means I'm doing my job well, yeah. <laughs> and uh, is there anything that's coming up for you you can talk about? 
Well, uh, the industry's sort of at a standstill right now. Yeah, so... the writer's strike has killed everything right now. Yeah. 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 So it's a challenging time for a lot of people. I have my um, Freestyle Staff Academy. So I'm actually, I actually have like other things going on. Um, but yeah, I, ha- I teach just regular people uh, how to spin a staff and oh, do it cool. well. And uh, a lot of people that take my classes and, and courses are all over the world, wow. all ages. A lot of pe- people are uh, former gymnasts or dancers or martial artists, and, and they just stopped moving at some point. And staff spinning is a really nice way to get yourself moving again. It's really great brain gyms because it's all about coordination. And it's obviously a workout. You get great shoulders. But a, a lot of people use it as like a moving meditation and anxiety relief as like they just keep their staff in their car. And if they have a couple minutes on their break at work, they just go down to the parking lot and do a couple there of things and come back 10 minutes later and they feel a lot better. And I really, really love that. And I think that there's something in it for everyone. I think it really calls to people's inner child, which is mm-hmm. kind of what stunts is on the bigger oh, scale is, is yeah. you just getting to live out your superhero fantasies. Absolutely. And so le- learning staff spinning is a lot like that, where you're just, you're just really satisfying that, that inner child that really wanted to be a ninja or a Jedi or whatever sort of superhero when they were a kid and was told that they can't. So mm-hmm. um, I'm really happy to provide that platform. I have a free course uh, that people can take. I have tons of free tutorials all over my social media. So if you want the free course, it's uh, freestylestaffspinning.com slash free course. And then my YouTube page is linked in my bio and in my Instagram and in my TikTok. It's Michelle Krista Smith. And then Instagram and TikTok, tons of free tutorials. And then as well in my Freestyle Staff Academy, there's a beginner's course, intermediate course, a bunch of other combo courses, and then a membership um so yeah there's lots lots of things for people to do and learn and and yeah i love seeing and and sharing students with so the world you te- and you teach on the internet pretty much because you're seeing yeah. different countries and you can reach a lot yeah, more people it's too. all online it's that's all fantastic. online yeah, yeah that's a great way of doing it really yeah is. and it, it it's 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 a very niche and unique skill yeah <laughs> Uh, it's gonna, it's gonna find the people that it's gonna find. But I, I, I feel a lot of joy in teaching. It's one of the things that fills my heart the most. And I didn't learn all these skills to keep them for myself. And so a big part of it is making the skills of staff spinning, whatever you're going to use it for, because everybody's got their own reasons and intentions, but just making it accessible to people is, is one of my biggest core values. So um, I'm pretty happy with with what's come out, and one day I'll update it and get it all like uh, intermediate and advanced program. But there is a lot there for for just regular people just want to try something new, and and I'm really happy to facilitate that. That's fantastic! What a pleasure to talk to you, Michelle C. Smith, stunt mm-hmm. performer and instructor, uh, sensei. You might even say <laughs> <laughs> so. Great to talk to you again and and best of luck to you and definitely stay healthy and uh, avoid those injuries if you can. (laughs) Yes. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure. All right. Thank you.